Good morning, Calvary Chapel, Springfield. A little technical difficulty. It's actually me, the operator. Error. I forgot to turn my pack on, but so glad that you could join us this morning, and I'm so blessed to be here, and I wish I could see you and say hi to you and all that and and hug you and shake your hand, do that old-fashioned stuff, but uh, listen, for right now, this is what God is uh, doing, and uh, thank God for the technology to be able to continue, even though, you know, we are in this uh, kind of lockdown, although you guys are a lot freer here in Missouri than we are in California, that's for sure. We are uh, still quite locked down there, uh, but you guys actually have restaurants open. In fact, I uh, was eating at the restaurant with my wife the other day, Donna, and uh, we went to First Watch and had avocado toast, and it was great. And uh, then we sent a uh, a video to our children at home who were going, oh, man, they were so upset that we were able to sit in a restaurant and actually eat food. Even though we were socially distanced, we actually ate food there at a restaurant, just sat and was served like the good old days. And so uh, I am praying that uh, that this thing will pass and that God will give scientists the wisdom or that he will just do a work and just get rid of this stuff so that we can gather back together again and uh, just uh, enjoy uh, the fellowship. The one thing that you find out in times like this is stuff that you took for granted. I mean, you you just, oh, we could go to church anytime. We could, well, let's just miss this week. I I realize how much I took for granted being able to go to the store, buy toilet paper, being able to go to the store, buy paper towels. You know, I mean, just the stuff we take for granted. And and so God has been, even in the midst of this, we are still blessed as God has continued to supply. Yeah, we've had to be inconvenienced and we don't have maybe the brand of certain things that we like, but we're still eating. We're not starving to death. So God has been good to us. And so uh, I am subbing, obviously, for your pastor, Tom, this morning, who uh, we've been praying for and uh, lots of people have been praying for. And uh, thank God, as uh, you heard um, Dan, Dan say earlier, that he's doing well. And uh, it's good to see him and to spend a little time with he and Lisa and just to fellowship and hang out together has been uh, great. And so uh, I am teaching this morning on the rapture. The title of my message is The Rapture, the Permanent Home Edition. So get out your Bibles and turn to First Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians 4, turn there. Get your coffee cup, get it set in the right spot. You know, get your pillows where you need them. And, and, but don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep on me, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm going to do things to try and wake you up in the middle. I'll start yelling or something. If I see you nodding off, I'm going to yell, okay? So anyhow, don't fall asleep. And and uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and let's begin, as always, with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that we can gather together, Lord, online, that we can just, Lord, in our homes, by your Spirit, Lord, uniting us, Lord, in your love, that we can just gather and hear your word, Lord, and you can speak to us right where we're at, 
Thank you, Lord, for the technology that we have to be able to do this, to have this ability in these times to uh, continue to remain connected and to uh, be able to minister and to share your word and to strengthen, uh, Lord, our faith. As your word says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I pray as we hear together uh, your word, Lord, that you would strengthen our faith, that you would Bless our fellowship. Lord, thank you that we can call one another and fellowship with one another and talk to one another. And and Lord, just uh, reach out to one another in that way. And, and may we be mindful to do that. And so, God, I pray now as we open your word by your spirit that you would speak to our hearts. And Lord, if there's any that are joining online, Lord, that have never received you as Lord and Savior, I pray today would be the day that they would come. And give their lives to you. So bless this time now. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. The rapture. Permanent home edition. What does the future hold? What is in store? A lot of that buzz is out there today. I mean. And I spend a fair amount of time. Listening to the news. And reading the paper. And and if you're a realist. As I am. These times in which we are living are troubled times. I mean, I, I don't want to candy coat it or paint a picture that is all rosy. I mean, uh, we're all struggling right now. And, and I mean, we're looking into the future and, and we're saying, well, what does the future hold? I mean, you hear, well, they're coming up maybe with a vaccine to COVID, but guess what? COVID-19 is going to turn into COVID-20 and 21 and a 31 and 101. And, 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 and we, we're going, I don't know. And then you look at the situation with the economy and and people are going, what is the economy going to look like? What's going to happen? I mean, you all know if uh, they print enough money, I mean, you got two trillion. Fortunately, fortunately, it's electronic, so they don't have to print up much. But I mean, when you've got money that you're just printing, I mean, hey, let's just borrow a trillion, three trillion. Let's borrow six trillion dollars. I mean. Come on, we all know what how credit cards work, right? You keep running up the amount. And, and I mean, what does the future hold economically? And then we're not even talking about things like uh, the locust plague that is currently going on and, and uh, you know, those kinds of things. And then the other day, I don't know if you read it or not, it's up in Washington State. There's a murder hornet on the way that supposedly cuts off the head of bees, and if they kill the bee population, then we know we're in trouble because you need bees to, you know, keep the food going on the table. And and so those are just a few of the things. In we're having earthquakes in uh, in places that uh, haven't been too prone to earthquakes recently. Salt Lake City, and then another one hit on the in uh, Tonopah uh, on the Nevada California border just the other day. And so you, you look around and, and you're trying to maintain some degree of sanity and, and courage and hope in what is going on, you see. And, and don't get me wrong, I am praying that God will, again, give the scientists wisdom to solve this. But the reality is that we live in a sin-marred, fallen world. And to put our hopes in man's ability to solve the problems that we are facing is becoming increasingly difficult uh, to have that hope. 
I mean, uh, there's a lot of people that say, well, you know what your problem is, man? You need to believe in yourself. Let me ask you a question. If you believe in yourself, what happens when you fail yourself? Do you blame yourself? And then if you do that too much, no wonder the suicide rate's going up. Because you lose hope. You see, misplaced hope, that's, that's something that we have in abundance presently in this country. We put our hope in some politician getting in office. We put our hope in some physician, some world leader to resolve the mess that we have gotten to ourselves, we have gotten ourselves in. We put our hope in, you know, there are some that put their hope in astrology and they put their hope in psychics, you see, and, and that kind of a thing. And, and of course, I mean, you're just, misplacing that hope those people men can't save themselves we can't fix what's wrong with us you see our creator created us with plan and purpose and if we are to put our hope in the right place we need to put it in the right person and that person is jesus christ Our God, the one who created us, the one who gives us life. If you want to know what the future holds, you need to look to the one who holds the future. And that's our God, our Lord, our Savior. And listen, for us as believers, we've got hope. You see, the next event that we expect to see is the rapture of the church. We're going to get out of here. The Lord is going to take us home to heaven. Jesus said to his struggling disciples in John 14. As he was about to go to the cross and die, they were losing hope. We had hoped that he was the one that was going to save Israel. But now they said he's been dead for three days. You see... They had hoped for an economic and political takeover by Messiah. They missed the suffering servant and savior in Isaiah 53. And so they lost hope. You see, Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my father's house are many dwelling places If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm not doing it for nothing. If I'm preparing a place for you, I'm going to come again one day and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. You see, Jesus is talking about an event A day when he would return to planet earth once he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. The day is coming for us as believers in Jesus Christ when we will be taken home with him. He will take us to that place he's been preparing for us. In an event called the rapture. Paul writing to the church in Thessalonica. You see, they were struggling with this as well. 
There was some confusion as to what the rapture was and and how it was going to take place. And so Paul, seeking to clear up that confusion, he says here in chapter uh, 4 of 1 Thessalonians verse 13, But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have what? No hope. He's reminding us, he's saying there are people out there who don't know Jesus, they don't know about this, and thus they have no hope. Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant of the hope that that you have. You know, there are several places that Paul, it's interesting, writes and, and says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And, and there's several things. Number one, in Romans 11:25, Paul tells us that he doesn't want us to be ignorant of God's plan for the Jews. And, and the second thing he doesn't want us to be ignorant of is, is God's plan with uh, spiritual gifts and how they're to operate, 1 Corinthians 12:1. Another thing that he doesn't want us to be ignorant of is the role of suffering in the believer's life. They cannot strange concerning the fiery trial, the struggle, the, the, the dilemma, the, the difficulty that you're experiencing. You see, Second Corinthians 1.8 also uh, deals with that. Uh, and then number four, don't be ignorant about the coming of the Lord or the rapture, His coming to take the church home. Yet 2,000 years later, these are probably areas that many people are still ignorant of. And so here we look at this event called the rapture that Paul, obviously, these people were experiencing some difficulty and confusion, you see, as they were considering the coming of the Lord. He says, listen, I don't want you to be ignorant concerning those who have interestingly fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as Others who have no hope. You see, sorrow is something that is a normal function when a loved one dies. Okay? Now, interestingly, uh, Paul says here that uh, these people have, he uses the term, fallen asleep. The same term that Jesus used when he said, Lazarus is sleeping, and the disciples go, well, if he's sleeping, let's not go wake him. No, he's died. Okay, so let's go. And so I'm sure the disciples are thinking, well, if he's dead, why should we go? What can we do? I mean, uh, of course, the Lord, we know, had a plan. We all have read about that. If you've read your Bible at all, you know about a guy named Lazarus who uh, Mary and Martha thought Jesus wouldn't get there in time. And in fact, in their minds, he didn't get there in time because he didn't hurry down right away when they called for him. And then when he finally got there, Mary and Martha said, well, he's already he's already asleep. He's died. You know what? There's nothing we can do. Uh, so why bother going out there? Well, let's go out to the tomb, Jesus said. And Martha says, well, by now, Lord, he stinks. Come on, rigor mortis is set in. You're late. Okay, just admit you're late and uh, it's done. Uh, we, we wish you were gotten sooner. Uh, much like sometimes we think, well, God, if you had worked this out this way and done this, then things would have been better. And then all of a sudden you figure out later, just like with Lazarus, 
Jesus cruises out to the tomb and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus comes hopping out of the tomb and he is alive. You see, Jesus has the ability and the power to take what we think is a total, you know, hopeless situation and change it radically. And so Paul speaks here of those who have no hope. Those without Christ. They don't hold the same hope that we as believers have. And that's why we need to go out and preach the gospel. To share the message of the good news that death is not the end. That the day is coming when just as Jesus raised, that we will raise from the dead as well. You see, we have that hope as Christians. That was not the situation that, I mean, that was the very situation, rather, that these were struggling with, which is why Paul wrote this letter to clear it up. He's saying, listen, uh, I know the, the, the Romans, the Greeks don't believe in a resurrection. I know that those guys that are overseeing the temple, the Sadducees, they don't believe in a resurrection. And that's why, of course, you know the term, you know how it goes. That's why they are sad, you see. But Paul is saying, listen, that is not the case. Your culture and what they say about life and death is not, they they don't give definition to it. You see, God's Word gives definition. And for those of us who die in Christ, and that's the next verse here in verse 14. He says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. You see, there's a big word there, if. Not everybody has this hope of resurrection. Paul is saying there's a condition for those who have this hope of life beyond the grave, who have this hope of heaven, who Jesus will take one day home with them to that place he's prepared. What's the requirement? If we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Those who have fallen asleep, and it's interesting, that word, uh, fallen asleep there, that he's speaking of the fact that uh, they are not, they don't cease to exist. Yes, the body's in the ground, but we know, according to the Gospel of Luke, when the rich man and, and Lazarus uh when they died, one ends up in, in a place of torment, the other ends up in a place of comfort. And even though they died bodily, what was going on? They were still alive spiritually, you see. And they were in a place of eternal, one in a place of eternal torment, one in a place of eternal bliss and joy of comfort. You see, for us as believers, that's why he says you've fallen asleep. He uses that picture because it's not like they no longer exist and are not conscious. You know, uh, uh, they are still conscious. They still are are living. Uh, you see, though dead physically, they still exist spiritually. So that's why he used the term sleep. When you go to sleep at night and somebody says they're still asleep, that doesn't mean they're still dead, literally. That means that... They are 
sleeping. They are resting. They are waiting until morning when they wake up or whenever the alarm goes off and they wake up, you see. Jesus uses that picture. Paul, using it here, he says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with Him those who sleep in Jesus. When Jesus returns here, He's saying that those who sleep, spiritually, you see, their bodies are sleeping, but they're in eternity with Jesus. And when He comes back here, as we will see, not to descend upon the Mount of Olives and put His foot down and, and set up the Millennial Kingdom, but He is going to come and snatch us away. That's what the rapture, the word rapture speaks of, to, to snatch away, to take out. And, and, and we know this, it says, For this we say to you, in verse 15, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no mean precede those who are asleep. And then he tells us how this is going to happen. Those who have died that you're asking questions about, who are sleeping that you're asking questions about, the day is coming that the Lord will descend, it says here in verse 16, the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, with of God and the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus shall we always be with the Lord. You see, our bodies as believers when we die go into the grave. Okay, now people have a problem of course with the idea that our bodies go into the grave and there's this thing today about cremation and when when your body, if, if there's going to be a resurrection of your body, what if when you die, you know what, they cremate you and then they scatter your ashes over uh, a, a dairy farm and then the cows that are on the dairy farm eat part some of your ashes and then and then there some of your DNA or whatever from your ashes go into the milk and somebody else drinks the milk and how how is God going to bring that resurrection body because it is not going to be that much different except for you won't have any uh, any tiredness you won't have any sin impact you'll never be distracted again from the things of God or struggle, you see, at the resurrection. And, and that body is going to be a body, 1 Corinthians 15 tells us, that is similar to the one that you have presently, except for, uh, you know what, your hair will be thicker. You know, if it's thinned out, your your waistline will be trimmer. You'll, you'll look much better. You won't have any blemishes. You see, that resurrection body and it, it, different prop, uh, properties. I mean, Jesus, we know, and it says when we see Him, we'll be like Him. We know that in His resurrected body, He could walk through walls. And so this glorified body that we are going to get is composed of, it's, it's, it's like a seed. You plant a seed into the ground. You plant a watermelon seed. You don't get a, an apricot tree. You don't get a, a you know, a, a corn from a watermelon seed. You get whatever you planted. The same is true with our bodies. When these bodies go in the ground, when the Lord resurrects them, when that trumpet sounds, 
what happens is, is those who are in heaven, who have fallen asleep, he's saying, come back and they get their new bodies. Their bodies are resurrected and their spirits and their bodies are joined into one, you see, to rule and reign. We will be on planet Earth ruling and reigning with Christ eventually. But in this resurrection of the rapture, when we're snatched away, the uh, spirits will be united of those that come with Jesus who have died already. They will be united and they, their bodies resurrected once again. And we then, who are cruising planet Earth, who are alive and remain, and that's what Paul's talking about here, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we always be with the Lord. You see, that day when we are raptured, when that trumpet sounds and we meet each other, it says here, note, it's not the return of Jesus to set up the millennial kingdom to stop the battle of Armageddon that is being spoken of here because where do we, where do we meet? We meet in the clouds. We meet in the air. We meet, you see, in heaven. We are taken off of earth. We are brought home, you see, to glory in our resurrected body along with those who have died prior to that to meet the Lord in the air. And that's different than when Jesus comes to set up His kingdom. When we come with Him, you see, He's coming for us here to take us home with Him when we come with Him to set up His kingdom on the earth at the end of the tribulation period, He is going to set His foot down on the Mount of Olives, is going to cleave in two, and then He is going to set up His reign on planet earth, putting an end to the battle of Armageddon there. In fact, the Bible says in Revelation that if He didn't come and uh, put an end to the battle of Armageddon, that no flesh would live. So he comes and we come with him down to the earth and he sets up his kingdom on earth. And so it says, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. It's a comfort to me to know that the current scene that's going on, uh, we know what's happening here. I mean, listen, uh, the whole big push right now is to kind of the whole world is impacted by this COVID-19 virus. Now, I don't know if this is the thing that is going to usher in the uh, the rule of the Antichrist and where he sets up a one world economy and a one world government. I don't know if this is the thing, but it's moving us in that direction. I think you'd have to, like, turn off the news, put on blinders and stick, you know, plugs in your ears to not see that this crisis that we are in presently is one that's not just impacting one country or another country. This is a worldwide thing. And thus, as a result, guess what's happening? They're uniting. We're uniting in a fight against this. And then the economies of the entire world are being impacted by this. And listen, 
what are we going to do? How are we going to solve this? Because we owe debts to other countries. They owe debts to us. You know, a simple solution would be, okay, you know what? Uh, we're going to just get rid of all money. Everybody can have everything that they have. All your debt from everybody paid off right where you're at now. And we're going to start over. And we're going to, we're going to print new currency. And, and that way we'll all be on the same playing field and the world economy can flourish and we won't find ourselves, you know, in, in this kind of situation ever again. And I mean, we see that kind of a thing that looms out there. Like I said, I'm not setting a date or a time for the rapture. What I am saying is the scene is being set. I could easily see out of this, the economies of the world struggle once this crisis is kind of through to get back on their feet and then that struggle leading to, hey, listen, man, we can't fix this. We, and somebody, we, we need to do something about it. Somebody needs to come up with a plan. And then the Antichrist coming on the scene and they're beginning the, the tribulation where uh, now we won't be able to buy or sell anywhere on planet Earth without the mark, you see, of the beast. And there are a lot of things that are being floated as to what that looks like. Uh, I can see the scene being set. I'm not saying this is it. And I want to be clear on that because the Bible says no man knows the day or the hour when the Lord will return for his church. We don't know. But we need to live with an awareness that the time that we are living in is something that is preparing that scene to take place. A one world economy, a one world government. You see man taking over the rule, thinking that they can solve it. And for a time, we know under the Antichrist, Man, everybody will sing his praises. He's going to be a good guy. He's going to be a moral guy. He's going to be a charismatic guy. He's going to be uh, an attractive guy. And uh, he's going to be a, a very kind guy initially. But guess what? Things aren't always what they appear. And he is going to satanically inspired in charge, you see. He is going to turn things around and assert control and expose his true colors in the middle of the tribulation period when he sets up an image of himself to be worshipped in the rebuilt temple and then his true colors will show. And at that point, uh, all hell will break loose literally on earth, culminating uh, in the battle of Armageddon and Christ's return to planet earth. You see, but Paul is telling us here, Listen, get ready. Jesus said, when you see these things begin to happen, what's that? Wars, rumors of wars, famines. You see, if, if this thing doesn't get resolved, I mean, and, and we are hit by that stupid murder hornet, whatever that thing is. I mean, and, and then you got the locust on top of it, the famine that we could experience. It's real. And, and we want to just push away and say, oh, that's not going to happen here in these United States. 
I mean, we're, we've got the technology, we've got the ability, we've never had that before. Uh, just because it's never happened before doesn't mean it can't happen, okay? I mean, we never, prior to uh, 9-11, we never had any kind of situation where people crashed uh, jetliners into buildings. We thought, we're secure, nothing could ever happen here. Our borders, they couldn't penetrate, no enemy could penetrate. Guess what? We were humbled, weren't we? And this whole thing, yeah, we got the economy. Everything's going on, man. Uh, Trump is really helping out and the economy's booming and flourishing and, and, and that kind of a thing. And, and man, nothing could stop this stock market from going up. It was that way, wasn't it? It was moving. But guess what? Some little teeny tiny, no terrorist attack, no jets flying into buildings, a little teeny tiny virus. And guess what? It was just weeks before our world changed radically. So listen, we need to be mindful of the times that we are living in. Jesus says, when you see these things begin to happen, watch and pray that you may be accounted worthy to escape the coming tribulation that is going to hit on planet Earth. Look up, he says, for your redemption draws nigh. The day is near, he's saying, when the Lord will return. We need to live in that that mindset of the imminent return of Christ. He can return at any moment. He can return before I get done Preaching this message. The question is, is are you ready? Are you watching to see the Spirit of the Lord's leading and guiding? Are you watching so that you can live wisely, opening God's Word and and seeking to submit to God's will and His authority? Are you doing what you can to spread the Word of the Gospel to spread the word of the kingdom to those around you. This is a great opportunity. Many find themselves struggling and not having hope. Are you telling them about Jesus? You see, are you sharing the message of Christ with them? Paul says, these things that I'm sharing with you aren't to terrify you, but they're to do what? Comfort one another with these words. If we are living, you see, with the awareness that Jesus could come at any moment and that he will come and take us home one day with him, we don't have to fear death, okay? We don't have to fear life. You see, we are truly free. Paul says, to live is Christ, right? And to die is what? Gain. It's gain. Why? Because I'm going to be in heaven with the Lord. That is the hope that we need to hold on to. That's what we live for, to bring glory and honor to His name and to show His love and to share His life with those around us. Martin Luther said, There are only two days on my calendar. Today and that day. What day is that? The day He goes home to be with the Lord 
for all eternity. First John chapter 3, verse 3 says, Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. To live with the awareness that Christ could come at any moment is something that we need as Christians to keep before us constantly. God could come today. Are you ready? When we live each day, you know, I mean, do we live it with the idea that, hey, I don't know if this day is going to uh, end with me still here on planet Earth. I mean, uh, we could be in heaven. You know, it's, it's like we, when, we, when we greet or say goodbye to each other, hey, see you here, there, or in the air. There's an old expression. I mean, in, in the early Jesus movement, that was something we all said. A bunch of hippies, you know, long-haired, kind of, you know, hey, dudes, man, here, there, in the air, dude. You know, and, uh, but, but, but we live like that, and that idea, that thought, has a purifying impact. I, I may not see you again this side of heaven. You see, and I'm looking forward to that day, though, that grand reunion, when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ rise first, and we are a cruising planet Earth, get snatched out of here before the tribulation period, you see, and we are home with Jesus at the marriage feast of the Lamb. That's my hope. And I'm looking forward to that day increasingly. The older I get, the more I look forward to it because this body, the outward man, is perishing. You can fix it up. You can tuck it up. You can do whatever you want. But the deal is, it's going down. And, and listen, the hope is, is that we are growing. The outer man is perishing. The inward man is being renewed. How? Day by day. You know what? Go ahead and work out physically, but don't make that your priority. Take care of the inward man, the spiritual man. Make sure he's getting worked out. You see, make sure he's getting fed. He's being nourished. He's being taken care of. It's being renewed day by day. That happens by the Spirit of God as we focus our lives on the will of God through the Word of God and empowered by the Spirit of God. Do you have that hope this morning? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Do you know that your sins are forgiven? Are you a child of God that you have and know that you have that hope of heaven? It says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Do you believe that he died for your sins on that cross? He paid the wrath and took the price for your sin on that cross. He suffered what you and I deserve in our place, you see, and paid our price what we deserve to pay for our sin on that cross. And then He rose again from the dead in demonstration of power and authority. You see, that He has the ability to change your life presently and to take you to glory for all eternity. That's demonstrated. It's proven by His resurrection. We're not worshiping a dead teacher. We are worshiping a living Savior.
We're not following a program or a philosophy of men. We're following, you see, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who created us, who put this planet here and created it for us, just the right distance from the sun, all the right orbits, all the right things that we need to sustain life. He has created you with plan and purpose. Have you found that plan? Have you found that purpose? If you haven't, you need to come today to Jesus Christ. You say, how do I do that? Well, first of all, you confess that you're a sinner. You don't have it together. And then you'd be willing to repent, to turn from that sin, and then come and give your life to Jesus Christ. Ask Him to come in and be your Lord and be your Savior, to be your God. And the Bible says that if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. All you got to do is call out to Him, recognizing your sin and asking Him to take control of your life. And the Bible says, to as many as received Him, to them He gave the power to become sons and daughters of God. He'll give you the power to change, but it starts with a choice. You make the choice, and He'll make the change. Come to Christ today and ask Him to take control of your life. And if you do so, please let us know that you prayed and asked Christ to come into your life and that you uh, have, have accepted Him as Lord and Savior. And we will uh, contact you and uh, get to you some materials, get to you a Bible to uh, help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. And we're looking forward to the day where we can gather back here as a church and just worship the Lord together. And so, uh, let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, for the work and the faithful ministry of Your Holy Spirit. Uh, God, I pray, if there's any, Lord, that are uh, listening today, that have joined us online, who have not yet given their lives to You, Lord, I pray today that they might come, that they would respond, Lord, and give their lives to You, and receive You as Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray for us as Christians, God, that we would be those who in the midst of this crisis that we are going through uh, are, are mindful of the fact that, God, you are in control and you have a plan and a purpose in this. And God, it's for our good and it's for your glory. And I pray, Lord, that we would take advantage of every opportunity that we have to share and to show the love of Jesus to those around us. To live, Lord, and, and redeem, as your word says, the time because the days that we are living in are evil. The Bible says that, Lord. May we use the time that you give us wisely. Some of us, you know, off work presently, may we use that to reach out to our neighbors, to, to strengthen the faith of our families, to, to grow spiritually, to Adjust the priorities, Lord, that maybe in our busyness, Lord, we, we, uh, were just, uh, so busy, so, so occupied with things around us, Lord, that we, we missed the priority. We've backed off on our love for you and our relationship with you. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen, uh, those spiritual roots, Lord, that they would, uh, go down deep, Lord, and, and dig into your word, and that our love for you, and our love for one another through the power of your Holy Spirit would be seen with greater clarity. That we would reach out, Lord, with compassion to those around us. That we would help the needy. 
And God, that we would be those who, when you come and that trumpet sounds, are ready. We are found doing what you've called us to do to the best of our ability, that you might be glorified and honored. So, Lord, uh, strengthen us, fill us afresh with the power of your Spirit. And, Lord, may we daily uh, come, Lord, again uh, to your table and, and grow spiritually. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's all stand. We're going to close in a